weekend. I'll be back a little bit later. Uh, as Stefan Riley said earlier, my name is Chris, and if you're joining us for the first time tonight or the first time back in a while, you've come in on the tail end of a series that we've been doing uh, called Swipe Right. And before we dive into tonight, I just want to bring, bring you up to speed so you're not kind of all over the shop and you're kind of like, what did I miss? Uh, and so really the big idea with this series that we've been talking about and our aim, our purpose with this series is we want you to have a love life that allows you to love life. That's our agenda with this series because we know that relationships are difficult. And particularly now with terms like Netflix and chill, is that that serious? Is is there anything more to that? Like, when should I text him back? When should I text her back? Like, when is it appropriate? Like, when are we officially dating? There are so many questions around relationships and relationships have the potential to be incredible in our life, but they also have the potential to be really, really difficult and be a source of a lot of pain. And we don't think that's the way relationships should be. And so we want you to have a love life that allows you to love life. And in part one, we kind of flipped this myth on its head uh, that love is all about finding the right person. And we actually said it's not about finding, it's more about becoming. And so we asked you a question. We said, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? In other words, when you find the right person, whoever it is you're looking for, are they going to stand back, look you in the eyes and say, you know what, you're exactly the person that I'm looking for? And so we said that if you begin to take steps to become that person, you ensure that you will have a love life that allows you to love life because there would be nothing worse than finding the right person, but you're not the right person for them. And then last week, we talked all about dating, and uh, the big idea last week was direction, not intention, determines your destination. In other words, if there's two people in a relationship, you can't just intend to have a great relationship. You can't just intend for it to go where you want it to go. You need to be moving in the same direction together. And if that kind of, any of those ideas jump out at you, or if you think, geez, I wish my friend or my sister or my brother or or whoever it is could listen to these messages, you you can hear them uh, on our podcast and on our SoundCloud. They'll be up there forever as long as there is an internet. But really, uh, tonight, as uh, Steph and Riley said, as we bring this uh, to a close, we're talking about sex. So I'm up here and we're going to have the talk tonight. Uh, And I know that for some of you, uh, you had the talk. And it was the most awkward 15 seconds of your life. No one made eye contact. Everyone looked at the floor. And at the end of it, there was like, are there any questions? And your parents are hoping you're not going to ask them any questions. And you're too embarrassed to ask a question. So you're like, no. And that was it. That was all the sexual education you got. Maybe for some of you, you've never had a talk. And this is going to be really funny in like five or ten years when someone asks you, did you ever get the talk? And you're like... Yeah, I went to church one time, actually, and we had the talk in church. It was really awkward. So this is something like you'll be able to to tell people. But the reason we're having this talk is is so often that that when we have the talk, it never actually influences any of our sexual decisions. Because you had the talk, and then you just... No one gets to a point in their life where they make a sexual decision or a decision in a relationship of a sexual nature where they go, you know what? I remember we had this great talk one time, and, and it reminds me of something we talked about, and this is the filter to make that decision. That doesn't happen. And so tonight, I know that you're going to agree with some of the things I say, you're going to disagree with some of the things I say, and you're going to push back. But really all I want is at the end of tonight, for you to have a filter, for you to have something that when you get into a relationship and then when there's a point and there's a sexual element to a decision that needs to be made, you can go, that's right, I've got a filter. At least I've got something to refer back to. And to kind of ease us into this discussion tonight, I, um, in preparation for this, uh, this, 
series and particularly this part, I was uh, researching and doing a little bit of reading and I came across one article in Wired magazine and the article is called Tales from the Millennial Sexual Revolution. And essentially the article kind of unpacks this idea and, and looks at how dating in our modern era has changed. With apps particularly like Tinder where now you can get a connection just with the swipe of a thumb, it's talking about how the landscape has changed. And so it had a whole heap of different people's opinions and perspectives on the sexual revolution that's taken place with the advent of technology. And one person's opinion, I think, or their thoughts, really summed up the entire article. And, and this is what they said. They said, sex isn't inherently a huge step. At the end of the day, it's a piece of body touching another piece of body. Just as existentially meaningless as kissing. In other words, it's not a big deal anymore. Sure, sure, they used to think it was a big deal. But now we've come to understand that it's not that big of a deal. It's exactly the same as kissing because kissing is just physical and sex is the same thing. It's just physical. And so that's the idea. That's the prevailing thought of our culture is that, that sex is just physical. That's what, we're, that's what we're taught to believe and that's what culture tells us. It's okay. As long as you don't get an STD, as long as no one gets pregnant, as long as it's consensual, as long as no one gets hurt, it's okay. In fact, for some of you, some of you guys, you're in this room, and some of you, you know this all too well. You're like, yeah, I know it's just physical, because for me, sex is the goal of the relationship. There's no moving past it. Sex is the goal. And so as a result, you've said things, and you've done things, that if someone said that or did that to your sister, you would do things we can't talk about in church. But it's because we've brought up, and we have this idea that sex is just physical, and so we elevate sex. And as long as uh, no one gets pregnant, there are no long-term consequences for having sex. And I want to put something out there, and I want to bring it right front and center tonight, because it is the big idea. And if you get offended later on, and you need to walk out, and you, you do need to use the toilets, and you need to get right out of here, I just want you to know the big idea that we're going to talk about tonight. And the big idea we're going to talk about is something I think you actually know deep down inside of you. And in case you, you're confused and maybe you're pushing back against it, I just want to bring it out. It's this, that sex isn't just physical. And here's why I draw that conclusion. Because before we get to the Bible, before we get to any of the God stuff, sex isn't just physical because you are not just physical. You are a you. You have a heart. You have a mind. You have a soul. You have a part of you that you can't define and it's not physical and it's intangible. But you, and while you may not be able to define it, you would never ever say it doesn't exist. And so at some sort of level, we know that sex is not just physical. And I get, I totally get that there's, there's a few of you who are definitely going to be like, no, Chris, it really, really is. And so this is the part of the message I was debating whether including. When I, when I flicked it out to our team, I was like, should we include this? And we were like, yeah, because we really need to bring this idea front and center and get everyone on the same page as we move forward. And so I've got four questions to ask you, for you to consider, to demonstrate and bring this idea that sex isn't just physical. And the first one is this. Of all the childhood experiences, why is it that sexual abuse is so hard for people to move past? Why is it that that Sexual abuse can be perpetrated on a victim when they're, when they're a child, and then 10, 20, 30, or 40 years later, it shows up in their marriages. It shows up in their dating relationships, and they can't explain it, and they don't know why. 
And they've tried to move past it, but every time it just keeps resurfacing. Chances are you would not dare say to someone like that, just get over it. That's just physical. But if sex really is just physical, why wouldn't we say that? Why Why can't we just put it in the past? Because we know deep down that it's more than physical. Here's the second question. Why is it so much more devastating for a woman and so much harder for a woman to report rape than it is to report physical assault? We've we've labelled this in our country. We know how much of a big deal domestic violence is in our country. We're putting campaigns out there. We're addressing it. But why is it that it is so difficult still for a woman to report that she has been raped as opposed to reporting domestic violence? If it's just physical, what's the big deal, right? And in fact, some of you hear me say that and you're kind of repulsed because just to hear those words makes you cringe because you know and I know that you should never say that to someone who's been a victim of that. What about this? Why is it that so many people's greatest regrets involve something sexual? I sit down and I talk to a lot of people in my role and 95% of the time, Whenever someone sits down next to me and they go, Chris, I've got to tell you something and I've never told anyone before. 95% of the time, before they even tell me what they're going to tell me, I already know this has got something sexual in nature. There's some kind of element of sex sex or sexuality that is involved in this. No one ever sits down opposite to me and goes, there's this thing that's been burning me up. I've never told anyone this before, but what happened is I reversed into someone's car at Woolies and I didn't leave a note. And no one tells me those kind of things because no one has those kind of regrets. But sexual regrets seem to haunt us throughout our lives. And here's the last question before we move past this awkward part. I promise this is the most awkward part of the message. It's simply this. Why are you curious about your partner's sexual history? When you get into a relationship, why do you ask those kind of questions? And maybe there are some of you who are like, I don't, I don't ask those questions, I don't care. Is it because you don't ask those questions because you're hoping that they won't ask you about your past? And if if it is because you're hoping they won't ask you, why does it matter? Because if at the end of the day, sex is just physical, who cares? No one cares how many gym partners you had. No one cares how many sports teams you played on. No one cares. No one asks how many uh, kilometers you've done running. No one cares. So why is it that when we get to a relationship, we're so concerned about this thing? And I believe it's because sex is more than just physical. But I believe that there's, there's one word that we don't often use when, it talks, when we talk about sex. And it's this word, this word intimacy. It's a word that doesn't sell many movies. It's a word that we've actually ripped out of context and we kind of use it to refer to sex. Now, oh, we were intimate. It's, it's a word that we've taken out of context. And the reason that sex is more than just physical is because of this word, intimacy. And it won't sell songs, and it's not going to make for a good read, because intimacy is simply this, to be fully known, to, sorry, to fully know and be fully known. For someone to know you at the deepest level, to know your hopes and to know your dreams, to know the good parts about you, to know the bad parts about you, and there be no fear in that knowledge. For someone to know everything about you and still accept you just for who you are. Which leads me to pineapples. 
I promise this is going somewhere. I promise. Which leads me to pineapples. I bought this at Coles on Friday night for $3.50. But when Christopher Columbus discovered the new world, he landed in the Solomon Islands and he discovered these pineapples. And he took these crates back to his hometown and people would actually buy pineapples. I'm, I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but, but people would consider them a luxury item. In fact, in, in our modern equivalent, people would buy pineapples for as much as $8,000. And you know what they would do? They wouldn't eat them. They would put them in a glass case. And they would invite their friends around and they would put them in the glass case of their stores and they would say, hey, come and check out my pineapple. And they would sit around, they would drink tea and they would drink scotch and they would have coffee and they would stare at this person's pineapple and they'd go, wow, it's incredible. Wow, it's amazing. And then when it started to rot, they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave, they wouldn't sell it, they wouldn't get rid of it because it was, it was a pineapple. And so people would invite people around to look at their rotting pineapple. And hundred, a couple of hundred years later, nothing about the pineapple has changed. The pineapple is still exactly the same as it was when Christopher Columbus discovered it. Except now it's not worth $8,000, now it's worth $3.50 from your local Coles. The only thing that has changed is the way that we view it, and the way that we think about it, and the way that we perceive it. And the same is true for sex. The same is true for sex. We can say as much as we want, sex is just physical. Our culture can tell us sex is just physical, but you know, you know that as much as you want to label it like that, it's not. You know that the ripple effects go out and they touch the deepest parts of your soul because you are not just physical. And so while we can label sex as just physical, you know just because you redefine something doesn't mean that you can change the way that it impacts you and change the way that it affects your relationships. And for some of you, I get that you're like, you know, Chris, intimacy sounds great, but that's an issue for future me. Future me is going to worry about that all day long. Right now, I'm just here for fun. I'm here for a good time. You know, it's Saturday night. Like, she's keen. I'm keen. We're all keen. Like, what, what, is, what is the big issue? Why do I have to worry about this thing now? And the reason that we're talking about this now and why this is such a big deal now is because if you're not careful and if you don't put this front and center and if you treat sex as just physical, it will undermine the very thing you're trying to achieve later in life. If you treat sex as just physical, then you will get into a marriage and you will get into your forever relationship and all of a sudden you'll go, where's the intimacy? Why can't we get past this? There just seems to be this, this invisible barrier between us and we can't move past it and we don't know why. And it's because you're looking for intimacy. But the way that you've lived prior to marriage has damaged and caused you to struggle to connect intimately. And while that sounds like a Debbie Downer, the good news is that we are not the only culture in human history to have moved this way. We are not the only culture in human history that said, you know what, sex is just physical. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus stepped onto the pages of history, Jesus began to teach this. And Jesus began to talk about, hey, sex is more than just physical. It has implications for your soul. And then 20 years after Jesus, a guy called Paul steps onto the scene and he starts planting all these churches around the Mediterranean Rim and he starts to contextualize the teachings of Jesus. And he contextualizes them in a culture 
If you're here the first couple of weeks, you're going to understand the culture now. He contextualized them in a culture that made our culture look G-rated. The culture that Paul writes the letter that we're going to look at tonight into is a culture where prostitution was okay, even if you were married. If you were a married man, you'd kiss the wife and kids goodbye and you would go down to the temple and you would have sex with the temple prostitutes because it was just part of that culture. In that culture, the slaves were part of the culture and slaves were often used as sexual objects, traded and moved on whenever they didn't want them. In that culture, men would take on young boys and they would molest young boys as their protégés and then flick them off whenever they, didn't, or whenever they didn't meet their needs anymore. In fact, if you were to step into that culture and you were to say, hey, sex has a context, 90% of religions would have laughed you out of the room. Because in pagan religions, in pagan deities, the way that they approached the world, sex was not reserved for intimacy. Sex was just physical. And so into that culture, where Paul has just planted a new church, brand new followers of Jesus that, that grew up, where they went and had sex with the temple prostitutes on the weekend, Paul writes about how to actually get intimacy in a relationship and how to stop treating sex as just physical and it was just as countercultural to that culture as it is to ours today. And this is how he starts. He says, flee from sexual immorality. In other words, run away. Don't, don't just, oh, it'll be okay, I'll just open this app up and I'll just swipe right a couple of times and look, I know what happened the last time she texted me back and I know what happened the last time I answered his call. Paul goes, no, 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 don't answer the call, don't text him back, don't just say it'll be okay this time. Paul goes, run away, get out of there, flee from sexual immorality. And he defines this sexual immorality, you don't have to define it this way, I just want to let you know how Paul defines it. Paul defines sexual immorality as sexual or sensual activity outside the context of marriage. I know he's outdated, he's old, whatever, but I just want to tell you that's how Paul defines it. And the reason he defines it this way, we discover next, in what he says next, and it's been hiding here in this letter for 2,000 years. He goes, the, the reason you need to flee is because of this, all other sins. All other sins. Paul, Paul says all other sins are different to sexual sins. All other sins fit into a different category, not, not some other, not, not a couple of others, but every single, there's, there's sexuality and there's sexual sins and then there's everything else on the other end of the spectrum. And here's why he says that. He says a person, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. In other words, Paul's saying like, God, God didn't give sex a context because he's against you. God, God doesn't say, hey, sex is in a context because he doesn't want you to have fun. No, God actually gives it a context because he is for you. Because when he created sex, he said to the angels, hey guys, gather around, gather around, you'll never believe what I just created. And they were like, what is it? He's like, actually, you probably won't get it. But then he, he says, he goes, I designed sex as a way to bring intimacy between two people, and intimacy in a way that actually reflects the kind of relationship I want to have with them, and that I want them to have with me. And, and he kind of says, sex is like a fire. It is fantastic, it is incredible when it is used within its context. But like a fire, if you take it outside of its context, the effects can be absolutely devastating. And so God knows that 
And God talks about sex in this way, not because he doesn't want you to have fun, but because he knows that sex affects you in a way that is completely different to any other sin and any other way and any other relationship. And just for a second, be honest, if you were in God's shoes and you created sex as a way to bring two people together and you know, you knew the power it would have, you knew that it would touch the deepest part of someone's soul, would you tell people to be safe? Would you tell people, just be careful? Or would you say, no, I actually want more for you. I actually want something way, way, way more than you could possibly ever imagine because God knows, Paul is saying the same thing that God said, what is safe and what is okay for our physical bodies is crushing and devastating for our souls. And a couple of verses earlier, Paul kind of like, Paul kind of continues talking, so we're going to jump back. He says to the Corinthians, he goes, do you not know? Because they didn't. They were new to the whole Jesus thing. They, they'd never talked about this before. Like, they'd grown up where this was part of the culture. And so Paul goes, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? To which everyone would have been like, whoa, whoa, Paul, time out. That word you've just used there, unite, that's like glue. That's like super glue. That's like co-mingling of souls kind of connection. We didn't unite. Like, we just, we just had fun. Like, I just went to the temple. It was just a regular Saturday, Paul. I didn't unite with anyone. I didn't super glue myself to anyone. And Paul goes, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. Remember. Remember what Jesus taught, because Jesus got this teaching right back from the beginning. He says, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. And they would have said, Paul, we're not becoming one flesh. We're just having fun. It's just a Saturday night. You know, he said, she said, it's just, it's just a bit of fun. And they're, they're consensual and we're consensual and it's, no one got an STD and no one got pregnant, so it's okay, right? No one united. And Paul is actually reminding them that God designed sex for a context and he designed it to fuse two people together in a way that nothing else fuses any two people together. And when you use this adhesive to stick two people together and then you rip it apart, the results are devastating. Because you take a piece of them with you and they take a piece of you with them. And God says that I've designed a context, not because I want to keep something for you, from you, but when you stand in front of the person you're going to marry, I want you to be able to say, I've waited my whole life for you. Because no one wants to get to that day and say, you know what, I've waited my whole life for you when you really didn't. And as difficult as this may be, as confronting and as challenging as some of this stuff is, I know, I know how difficult it is. You know deep down that there's some kind of inkling of truth, even if you're pushing back against it and you're resisting it. And the reason you, 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 you know that there's some kind of inkling of truth is simply because romance is fueled by exclusivity romance, that spark is actually fueled within the context of two people being known and being fully known with each other. Because no one ever hopes to hear, I just, I just think about you and your roommate all day. You know, it's fueled by exclusivity. No woman ever wants to hear, I cannot wait to get married to you and bring my iPad as well. No one wants to hear, no one wants to hear that because romance is fueled by two people being exclusively set apart for the other person. So where does that leave us? 
Because that can be challenging and that can be jarring and, and I understand that there can be a lot of guilt associated with that and it is not my intention to, to guilt you or make you feel guilty. So let's get to the good part. I know, I've actually, we have this thing, it's called For Monday. And the reason we do it is because we actually believe that if you follow Jesus, that you, your life will be better and you'll be better at life. And so I understand uh, tonight that there are going to be two groups of people in the room. There's going to be one of you who are like, you are so outdated and old, you should just get out of here. Like, I know you're wearing a snapback, but that doesn't make your teachings cool. Like, you're an idiot. You should have stayed 2,000 years ago in the past. Keep those teachings back there. And I understand that I can never, if you're in that camp, I can never convince you. And I'm not even trying to convince you. And so, but just to show you that I am actually for you, I actually crafted a full Monday just for you. And the full Monday just for you is simply this. Just remember. Just remember. Because I know that you'll write me off. I know that you'll, you'll think I'm just some guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. But there will come a time where you meet someone and you want that forever relationship. And psychologists and psychiatrists, they, they don't know how to explain this anomaly, but, but they, they, uh, there's a whole heap of research that when couples get married and they have used sex outside of the context of what God was designed, 18 months to three years in, all of a sudden there's just this block right there and they don't know how to explain it and the couples don't know how to explain it because everything was great beforehand. And there just feels this void there. And what's missing is intimacy. And the reason it's missing is because you took something that youth believed was physical when it really wasn't. And so I'm not going to change your mind, but I just want you to know that if you ever get to that point, or rather when you get to that point where you go, there's something more and I want that intimacy, but it just seems to be this invisible barrier to break through and I don't know how to do it. I just want you to think back to this message. And just remember to what we're going to talk about next for everyone who's like, you know what, maybe there's some truth to this. Maybe if romance is fueled by exclusivity, maybe there's something I've got to do. And I've crafted a special Four Monday for you. It's another R word, and I'm going to, as soon as it goes up, it'll sound offensive, but let me just say, uh, let me explain it after it goes up. The second word, if you want to take or do something with this, is simply repent. Now, that's a, that's a church word that's been taken out of context so much. But really, this idea of repent is simply just do a 180. Turn around and face the other way. Essentially, it says what you already know and what you're already experiencing. The way I've been doing things has not been working. The way I've been doing things is hurting me and it's sending ripple effects throughout my relationship and I can't explain it and I don't know what to do about it. So instead of just kind of slightly altering your course, you need to do a complete 180 and go the other way. Because the way you're going and the way you're heading, if you change course slightly, you're still going to be heading in that general direction and you're not happy with where you're going anyway. And this idea of repent is simply to do a 180 and turn and walk the other way. And that may look completely different depending on where you're at tonight. Because you know, as much as you push back and as much as you try, you know that what you want is intimacy. But you're not quite sure how to get there. The thing that paves the way to intimacy is purity. Purity paves the way to intimacy. And that's why God says, it's not that I don't want you to have sex. I just need you to realize there's a context. And when you have it in that context, it will be incredible. And you will actually get what you want in the end. And so maybe for you, this whole idea of turning around looks different depending on your situation. Maybe for some of you, you're like, well, I haven't had sex 
But if I was to look at your search history, you'd definitely be looking at some stuff. And for you, those of you who are, who are looking at that kind of stuff and you're looking at porn, that can undermine your intimacy just as much as the physical act of sex. And so maybe for you, that means that you need to delete some apps off your phone. You need to maybe buy something or get something that kind of puts a filter on your web browser. And maybe you need to get really honest with a couple of mates and you need to get them around and say, hey guys, this is not working for me. The, the way I've been thinking about things, the way I've been approaching things, it is not working for me. And sure, it feels good in the moment, but it is undermining my intimacy long term. And I don't want to get that way. I don't want to get to a marriage where there's no intimacy and there's no spark. And so maybe on that, on that software that you put into place, every time you look at a website, it bings your friends and they call you up and you have a conversation about it. I know that sounds odd. I know that sounds weird. But it hasn't worked for you up until this point. So what are we going to do moving forward? Maybe for some of you, it really means that you need to get alone with God. Maybe it's just an opportunity for you to, you know what, I need to take some time and I just need to sit down with God and say, you know what, God, I'm, I've really thought that sex was just physical. And it's not because I had bad intentions, it's just because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better and God, and God I'm sorry. And Lord, I, God, I want to begin to trust that, that what, the way that you've designed sex and sexuality, there is a context and I want to begin to trust and follow your teachings around that because ultimately I want to I have a love life that allows me to love life. Maybe you just need to have a conversation with God around that. Maybe for some of you, you need to get your phone out and you need to go 12 months in advance of this date and you just need to put a big X on the calendar. And you just need to say, for the next 12 months, I am stepping away from the dating scene. I'm deleting all the dating apps off my phone. I am not actively pursuing any relationship at all. And even if relationships come my way, I'm just going to say, I'm just not in that place. And maybe for you, you need to go back and re-listen to part one. And so for that year, you just become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. You just take an entire 12 months to turn around. And if you select that idea where you kind of get, um, where you get honest with God or you take a, a year off, I just want you to know that the first couple of days are going to feel fantastic. It's going to be like, yeah, I'm forging new ground. Things are moving forward. And then day six or day seven is going to hit. And it is going to get really hard. And it is going to get really difficult. And I just want to let you know that that's coming. And I know at that point in time, there's going to be this tendency to quit and say, oh, it's too difficult, it's too hard. But come on, come on. You thought about dating and you, th you uh, approached dating that way for four or five more years. Do you really think you're going to kick that thinking in five days? So my, my suggestion, as crazy as this might be, if you, gave, if you gave that way of thinking, your old way of thinking for dating for five or ten years, you should at least give God five or ten years. Maybe halve it. If you've thought about that way for four years, just give, just give God two and see what He could do in two years because it's going to take time. It's not a magic fix. And maybe there are some of you who, right now, you're in a relationship and there's been a sexual component to that relationship and now what this looks what this whole idea of turning around looks like is you just need to to say look we've got two options we can either get married or stop having sex and if get married is not on the cards that freaks you out then i hate to tell you but if you don't want to commit your entire life to that person and you don't want to be fully known for your entire life and let them know you fully for your entire life then i'm not being harsh i'm just saying that in the end it's going to be you who gets hurt and I don't want you to get any more hurt than you have to. So maybe it's time to make that 
decision. And as we, as we bring this series to a close, I am, I am so aware that when we talk about sex and when we talk about sexuality, it brings up memories and it brings up things from the past that we, we just hoped we would move past. We would hope we would never have to face. And I know that there are feelings of guilt and regret that can surface. And I just want you to know that it is not my intention in any way to make you feel that way. And in fact, Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he knew that when you talk about some of this stuff that touches your soul in a way that nothing else does, that it will affect you and it will bring these things to the fore. And Paul knew that. And so Paul actually finished off this section of the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians with this. He says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It'll come up. There you go. He says, you were bought with a price. In other words, before you felt too guilty and too ashamed to move on, because I understand that there will be some of you here tonight, and there'll be some of you who are listening to this online, you'll be like, that sounds so good, but I'm too far gone. That sounds so great, but if, if I'd have heard this five years ago, if I'd have heard this 12 months ago, maybe things would have been different, but I've gone past the line, and I cannot get back, Chris. You don't understand. And if that's you, and if you've ever felt that way, I need you to know that Paul would have understood because he was writing to a highly sexualized culture. And into that culture, he said, you were bought with a price. Which means long before you ever felt that you were too far gone, Jesus stepped into history. And Jesus spread his arms on a cross while they nailed, uh, while, while they nailed nails through his arms, nailed nails through his feet. And Jesus said, I am doing this so that no one ever has to feel that they're too far gone. So that if anyone ever questions whether they're too far gone, all they'll have to do is look back to the cross and know how much I love them. And just what exactly it cost them to uh, cost me to buy a relationship with them. Jesus says, I know your past can cause you feelings of regret. I know that it can make you feel ashamed, but you don't have to let your past define your future. You can actually move into your future, leaving your past in your past because of Jesus' death on the cross. And that's how some of you are going to need to move forwards because you can't erase your past. And sure, sure, your actions have consequences because let's be honest, all of our actions have consequences, don't they? And I'm not saying it will be easy, but what happens when you begin to place your trust and you begin to place your faith in Jesus and you say, you know what, if you were willing to leverage your life for the opportunity to know me, if you were willing to leverage your life to cancel out my past so that I could move into my future with a brand new future, then maybe, just maybe, you're worth trusting with, that, with the relationships and with that sexual part of my life. God, maybe if you created this world, maybe I should just trust you. And whenever I think that I'm too far gone, I would remember the cross and the price that you paid to know me and the price that you paid so I didn't have to be defined by my future by my past but I could be defined by the love of God who intervened on your behalf and even if you don't want to go the full distance you say you know what I don't want to trust Jesus with my entire life because that is too big of a step I get that but why not just trust Jesus with this part of your life why not just trust Jesus with your relationships and, and the way that you think about sex because he bought you with a price not to keep something from you because he's some controlling God but he wants the best 
for you. See, Jesus doesn't want, just want you to have a love life that allows you to love life. Jesus wants you to have a life that allows you to love life. And so this week, or over the next 12 months, why don't you just begin to just take your love life and see what God will do with it. So you know what, God, maybe I've thought that sex was just physical, but I've realized it's more than that. I've realized what I'm really craving is intimacy. And the only way I'm going to get there is by to pave a path of purity. And what happens over time is that God steps in and God begins to heal you. And God begins to reassure you and let you know that you were never defined by your past. And you don't ever have to be defined by your past again. And you can experience that same intimacy that God set up right from the beginning. All because of what Jesus did for you. So this week, I hope that you'll take some steps to have a love life that allows you to love life. And I pray that you'll begin to trust Jesus a little bit more because when you do that, not only your love life, but your life will allow you to love life at a level that you've never experienced before. I'd love to pray for us all right now. <sighs> Jesus, it is sometimes difficult to address some of these things. But we know that nothing ever good comes from being comfortable. That it's always when we wrestle with these things that we've just put to the back burner for so long that we get to experience a new way of living. And so Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who has who just been brought up in a culture where they believe that sex is just physical. That no one has, has ever told them anything different and that's not their fault. But Lord, I pray that as they begin to explore and unpack the idea that sex isn't just physical, that they would take some steps to safeguard their future relationships, their future marriage for intimacy. That they would take some steps towards purity, not because you want to keep something from them, but because you have everything to offer them. And for those people who are still wrestling, who are still thinking maybe they're too far gone, I pray that you would remind them of the cross. You would remind them that on it you gave up everything. You stepped out of heaven to show them that their past does not have to define and determine the direction of their future, that their future can be bright in your hands. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd love to invite you to stand and hand you back to the band.